Hey listeners, what you're about to hear is a rebroadcast of an article originally written and recorded for 80,000 hours. It's titled Preventing an AI-Related Catastrophe. It was written by Benjamin Hilton and narrated by Perrin Walker for Type 3 Audio. Okay, why are we sharing this article on our podcast feed? Well, over the next few months, Luca and I are planning to do a bunch of episodes on artificial intelligence. But first, we wanted to share some kind of introduction to the field, something which explains why AI might pose existential level threats to humanity and why you might prioritize this problem when you're thinking about what to work on or just what to learn more about. And we do think we're going to be able to do a better job than this article. So here it is. Preventing an AI-related catastrophe. AI might bring huge benefits if we avoid the risks. By Benjamin Hilton, published August the 25th, 2022. Narrated by Perrin Walker. This version of the article that you're listening to doesn't include all of the footnotes and asides, and also includes a separate recorded article. What could an AI-caused existential catastrophe look like? Why is it that humans, and not chimpanzees, control the fate of the world? Humans have shaped every corner of our planet. Chimps, despite being pretty smart compared to other non-human animals, have not. This is, roughly, because of humans' intelligence. Companies and governments are spending billions of dollars a year developing AI systems. And as these systems grow more advanced, they could eventually displace humans as the most intelligent things on the planet. As we'll see, they're making progress. Fast. Exactly how long it will take to produce artificial intelligence that's better than humans at most things is a matter of lively debate. But it looks likely that it's possible and our guess is that it'll happen this century. The observation that human intelligence may be surpassed this century isn't a rigorous or conclusive argument that artificial intelligence will be a big deal or that it's a threat to humanity. We'll go into those arguments in far more detail below. But it does seem fair to say that the potential development of rival intelligence on Earth in the near future should at least be cause for concern. Will the systems we develop have goals? If so, what goals will they have? Will they support humanity's attempts to do good? Or might we lose our control over our future and effectively end the human story here? The honest answer to these questions is that we don't know. But we shouldn't just wait around, fingers crossed, watching from afar, Artificial intelligence could fundamentally change everything. So working to shape its progress could just be the most important thing we can do. Chapter heading. Summary. We expect that there will be substantial progress in AI in the next few decades, potentially even to the point where machines come to outperform humans in many, if not all, tasks. This could have enormous benefits, helping to solve currently intractable global problems, but could also pose severe risks. These risks could arise accidentally, for example if we don't find technical solutions to concerns about the safety of AI systems, 
or deliberately. For example, if AI systems worsen geopolitical conflict. We think more work needs to be done to reduce these risks. Some of these risks from advanced AI could be existential, meaning they could cause human extinction or an equally permanent and severe disempowerment of humanity. There have not yet been any satisfying answers to concerns discussed below about how this rapidly approaching transformative technology can be safely developed and integrated into our society. Finding answers to these concerns is very neglected and may well be tractable. We estimate that there are around 300 people worldwide working directly on this. As a result, the possibility of AI-related catastrophe may be the world's most pressing problem and the best thing to work on for those who are well-placed to contribute. Promising options for working on this problem include technical research on how to create safe AI systems, strategy research into the particular risks AI might pose, and policy research into ways in which companies and governments could mitigate these risks. If worthwhile policies are developed, we'll need people to put them in place and implement them. There are also many opportunities to have a big impact in a variety of complementary roles, such as operations management, journalism, earning to give, and more, some of which we list below. Here's the main text of the article. Why do we think that reducing risks from AI is one of the most pressing issues of our time? In short, our reasons are... 1. Even before getting into the actual arguments, we can see some cause for concern, as many AI experts think there's a small but non-negligible chance that AI will lead to outcomes as bad as human extinction. 2. We're making advances in AI extremely quickly, which suggests that AI systems could have a significant influence on society soon. 3. There are strong arguments that power-seeking, in quotes, AI, could pose an existential threat to humanity, which we'll go through below. The next item in the list, four. Even if we find a way to avoid power-seeking, there are still other risks. Five, we think we can tackle these risks. Six, this work is extremely neglected. We're going to cover each of these in turn, then consider some of the best counter-arguments, explain concrete things you can do to help, and finally outline some of the best resources for learning more about this area. Chapter heading 1. Many AI experts think there's a non-negligible chance AI will lead to outcomes as bad as extinction. If you think that some new technology is going to be a huge deal and might even cause human extinction, but everyone who actually works with the technology thinks those concerns are misguided, then you're probably missing something. So before we go into the arguments about AI risks, let's take a look at what the experts think. We looked at three surveys of AI researchers who published at NeurIPS and ICML, two of the most prestigious machine learning conferences, one in 2016, one in 2019, and one in 2022. It's important to note that there could be considerable selection bias on surveys like this. For example, 
You might think researchers who go to the top AI conferences are more likely to be optimistic about AI, because they've been selected to think that AI research is doing good. Alternatively, you might think that researchers who are already concerned about AI are more likely to respond to a survey asking about these concerns. All that said, here's what we found. In all three surveys, the median researcher thought that the chances that AI would be extremely good, in quotes, was reasonably high. 20% in the 2016 survey, 20% in 2019, and 10% in 2022. A short footnote here. By the median researcher thought that the chances were X percent, we mean over half of researchers thought that the chances were greater than or equal to X percent. Main text. Indeed, AI systems are already having substantial positive effects. For example, in medical care or academic research. But in all three surveys, the median researcher also estimated small, but certainly not negligible, chances that AI would be, quote, extremely bad, for example, human extinction, end quote. A 5% chance of extremely bad outcomes in the 2016 survey, 2% in 2019, and 5% in 2022. Here's a short footnote. 48% of respondents to the 2022 survey by Stein Perlman et al. thought that the chances of, quote, extremely bad, for example, human extinction, end quote, outcomes, were 10% or greater. Some respondents were much less concerned. 25% of respondents put the chances of extremely bad outcomes at 0%. And a footnote, back to the main text. In the 2022 survey, participants were specifically asked about the chances of existential catastrophe caused by future AI advances. And again, over half of researchers thought the chance of an existential catastrophe was greater than 5%. So, experts disagree on the degree to which AI poses an existential risk, a kind of threat we've argued deserves serious moral weight. This fits with our understanding of the state of the research field. Two of the leading labs developing AI, DeepMind and OpenAI, also have teams dedicated to figuring out how to solve technical safety issues that we believe could, for reasons we discuss at length below, lead to an existential threat to humanity. There are also several academic research groups, including at MIT, Oxford, Cambridge, Carnegie Mellon University and UC Berkeley, focusing on these same technical AI safety problems. It's hard to know exactly what to take from all this, but we think it shows that it's not a fringe position in the field to think that there is a material risk of outcomes as bad as an existential catastrophe. Still, why do we side with those who are more concerned? In short, it's because there are arguments we've found persuasive that AI could pose such an existential threat. Arguments we will go through step by step below. It's important to recognise that the fact that many experts recognise there's a problem doesn't mean that everything's okay, the experts have got it covered. Overall, we think this problem remains highly neglected, with only around 300 people working directly on the issue worldwide. More on this below. Meanwhile, there are billions of dollars a year going into making AI more advanced. Chapter heading 2. We're making advances in AI extremely quickly. Before we try to figure out what the future of AI might look like, 
it's helpful to take a look at what AI can already do. Modern AI techniques involve machine learning, ML, models that improve automatically through data input. The most common form of this technique used today is known as deep learning. ML systems today can only perform a very small portion of tasks that humans can do. And, with a few exceptions, only within narrow specialties, like playing one particular game or generating one particular kind of image. That said, since the increasingly widespread use of deep learning in the mid-2010s, there has been huge progress in what can be achieved with ML. Here's a brief timeline of only some of the advances we've seen since 2019. AlphaStar, which can beat top professional players at StarCraft II, January 2019. MuZero, a single system that learned to win games of chess, shogi and go, without ever being told the rules, November 2019. GPT-3, a natural language model capable of producing high-quality text, May 2020. GPT-F, which can solve some maths Olympiad problems, September 2020. AlphaFold 2, a huge step forward in solving the long-perplexing protein folding problem, July 2021. Codex, which can produce code for programs from natural language instructions, August 2021. Palm, a language model which has shown impressive capabilities to reason about things like cause and effect or explaining jokes. April 2022. Dolly 2, April 2022. And Imagine, May 2022, which are both capable of generating high-quality images from written descriptions. Seikan, which takes natural language instructions and uses them to operate a robot. April 2022. Gato, a single ML model capable of doing a huge number of different things, including playing Atari, captioning images, chatting, and stacking blocks with a real robot arm, deciding based on its context what it should output. May 2022. Minerva can solve complex math problems, fairly well at college level, and even better at high school math competition level. Minerva is far more successful than forecasters predicted in 2021. If you're anything like us, you found the complexity and breadth of the tasks these systems can carry out surprising. We just read, if you're anything like us, you found the complexity and breadth of the tasks these systems can carry out surprising. And if the technology keeps advancing at this pace, it seems clear that there will be major effects on society. At the very least, automating tasks makes carrying out those tasks cheaper. As a result, we may see rapid increases in economic growth, perhaps even to the level we saw during the Industrial Revolution. If we're able to partially or fully automate scientific advancement, we may see more transformative changes to society and technology. That could be just the beginning. We may be able to get computers to eventually automate anything humans can do. This seems like it has to be possible, at least in principle. This is because it seems that, with enough power and complexity, a computer should be able to simulate the human brain. This would itself be a way of automating anything humans can do, if not the most efficient method of doing so. And as we'll see in the next section, there are some indications that extensive automation may well be possible 
through scaling up existing techniques. Current trends show rapid progress in the capabilities of ML systems. There are three things that are crucial to building AI through machine learning. One, good algorithms. For example, more efficient algorithms are better. Two, data to train an algorithm. Three, enough computational power, known as compute, to do this training. We spoke to Danny Hernandez, who at the time was a research scientist on the Foresight team at OpenAI. Hernandez and his team looked at how two of these inputs, compute and algorithm efficiency, are changing over time. They found that, since 2012, the amount of compute used for training the largest AI models has been rising exponentially, doubling every 3.4 months. That is to say, since 2012, the amount of computational power used to train our largest machine learning models has grown by over a billion times. Here's a complex graph. Hernandez and his team also looked at how much compute has been needed to train a neural network to have the same performance as AlexNet, an early image classification algorithm. They found that the amount of compute required for the same performance has been falling exponentially, halving every 16 months. So since 2012, the amount of compute required for the same level of performance has fallen by over 100 times. Combined with the increased compute used, that's a lot of growth. It's hard to say whether these trends will continue, but they speak to incredible gains over the past decade in what it's possible to do with machine learning. Indeed, it looks like increasing the size of models and the amount of compute used to train them introduces ever more sophisticated behaviour. This is how things like GPT-3 are able to perform tasks they weren't specifically trained for. These observations have led to the scaling hypothesis that we can simply build bigger and bigger neural networks, and as a result, we will end up with more and more powerful artificial intelligence, and that this trend of increasing capabilities may increase to human-level AI and beyond. If this is true, we can attempt to predict how the capabilities of AI technology will increase over time, simply by looking at how quickly we are increasing the amount of compute available to train models. But as we'll see, it's not just the scaling hypothesis that suggests we could end up with extremely powerful AI relatively soon. Other methods of predicting AI progress come to similar conclusions. When can we expect transformative AI? It's difficult to predict exactly when we will develop AI that we expect to be hugely transformative for society, for better or worse. For example, by automating all human work or drastically changing the structure of society. But here we'll go through a few approaches. One option is to survey experts. Data from the 2019 survey of 300 AI experts implies that there is a 20% probability of human-level machine intelligence, which would plausibly be transformative in this sense, by 2036, 50% probability by 2060, and 85% by 2100. A short footnote reads, these are similar to implied forecasts from the other surveys. 2022 survey by Stein Perlman et al, approximately 50% by 2059, and a 2016 survey by Grace et al, approximately 25% by 2036, 50% by 2060, and 70% by 2100. 
back to the main text, there are a lot of reasons to be suspicious of these estimates, but we'll take it as one data point. Ajay Okotra, a researcher at Open Philanthropy, attempted to forecast transformative AI by comparing modern deep learning to the human brain. Deep learning involves using a huge amount of compute to train a model before that model is able to perform some task. There's also a relationship between the amount of compute used to train a model and the amount used by the model when it's run. And if the scaling hypothesis is true, we should expect the performance of a model to predictably improve as the computational power used increases. So Cotter used a variety of approaches, including, for example, estimating how much compute the human brain uses on a variety of tasks, to estimate how much compute might be needed to train a model that, when run, could carry out the hardest tasks humans can do. She then estimated when using that much compute would be affordable. Kotra's 2022 update on her report's conclusions estimates that there is a 35% probability of transformative AI by 2036, 50% by 2040, and 60% by 2050, noting that these guesses are not stable. Tom Davidson, also a researcher at Open Philanthropy, wrote a report to complement Kotra's work. He attempted to figure out when we might expect to see transformative AI based only on looking at various types of research that transformative AI might be like. For example, developing technology that's the ultimate goal of a STEM field, or proving difficult mathematical conjectures, and how long it's taken for each of these kinds of research to be completed in the past, given some quantity of research funding and effort. Davidson's report estimates that, solely on this information, you'd think that there was an 8% chance of transformative AI by 2036, 13% by 2060, and 20% by 2100. However, Davidson doesn't consider the actual ways in which AI has progressed since research started in the 1950s, and notes that it seems likely that the amount of effort we put into AI research will increase as AI becomes increasingly relevant to our economy. As a result, Davidson expects these numbers to be underestimates. Holden Konofsky, co-CEO of Open Philanthropy, attempted to sum up the findings of all the approaches above. He guesses that there is more than a 10% chance we'll see transformative AI by 2036, 50% by 2060, and 66% by 2100. And these guesses might be conservative since they didn't incorporate what we see as faster-than-expected progress since the estimates were made. All in all, AI seems to be advancing rapidly. More money and talent is going into the field every year, and models are getting bigger and more efficient. Even if AI were advancing more slowly, we'd be concerned about it. Most of the arguments about the risks from AI, that we'll get to below, do not depend on this rapid progress. However, the speed of these recent advances increases the urgency of the issue. Chapter Heading 3. Power-seeking AI could pose an existential threat to humanity. We've argued so far that we expect AI to be an important and potentially transformative new technology. We've also seen reason to think that such transformative AI systems could be built this century. Now we'll turn to the core question. 
Why do we think this matters so much? There could be a lot of reasons. If advanced AI is as transformative as it seems like it'll be, there will be many important consequences. But here we are going to explain the issue that seems most concerning to us. AI systems could pose risks by seeking and gaining power. We'll argue that, one, it's likely that we'll build AI systems that can make and execute plans to achieve goals. Two, advanced planning systems could easily be misaligned, in quotes, in a way that could lead them to make plans that involve disempowering humanity. Three, disempowerment by AI systems would be an existential catastrophe. Four, people might deploy AI systems that are misaligned despite this risk. Thinking through each step, I think there's something like a 10% chance of an existential catastrophe resulting from power-seeking AI systems this century. Now for each of those numbered points above, we have more detail. Here's the first one. It's likely we'll build advanced planning systems. We're going to argue that future systems with the following three properties might pose a particularly important threat to humanity. Each of these is a paragraph. I'll read the three properties first, and then I'll read their corresponding paragraphs. One, they have goals and are good at making plans. Two, they have excellent strategic awareness. Three, they have highly advanced capabilities relative to today's systems. Here's one, they have goals and are good at making plans. Not all AI systems have goals or make plans to achieve those goals. But some systems, like some chess-playing AI systems, can be thought of in this way. When discussing power-seeking AI, we're considering planning systems that are relatively advanced, with plans that are in pursuit of some goal or goals, and that are capable of carrying out those plans. Two, they have excellent strategic awareness. A particularly good planning system would have a good enough understanding of the world to notice obstacles and opportunities that may help or hinder its plans and respond to these accordingly. Following Carl Smith, we'll call this strategic awareness since it allows systems to strategize in a more sophisticated way. Three, they have highly advanced capabilities relative to today's systems. For these systems to actually affect the world, we need them to not just make plans, but also be good at all the specific tasks required to execute those plans. Since we're worried about systems attempting to take power from humanity, we are particularly concerned about AI systems that might be better than humans at one or more tasks that grant people significant power when carried out well in today's world. For example, people who are very good at persuasion and or manipulation are often able to gain power. So an AI being good at these things might also be able to gain power. Other examples might include hacking into other systems, tasks within scientific and engineering research, as well as business, military or political strategy. That's the end of the three properties that might pose a particularly important threat to humanity in future systems. And here's a heading. These systems seem technically possible and will have strong incentives to build them. As we saw above, we've already produced systems that are very good at carrying out specific tasks. 
We've also already produced rudimentary planning systems, like AlphaStar, which skillfully plays the strategy game StarCraft, and MuZero, which plays chess, shogi, and go. We're not sure whether these systems are producing plans in pursuit of goals per se, because we're not exactly sure what it means to have goals. However, since they consistently plan in ways that achieve goals, it seems like they have goals in some sense. Moreover, some existing systems seem to actually represent goals as part of their neural networks. Here's a short footnote. For example, Yadeberg et al. developed deep reinforcement learning agents to play games of Quake 3 Capture the Flag and identified, quote, particular neurons that code directly for some of the most important game states, such as a neuron that activates when the agent's flag is taken, end quote, indicating they can identify states of the game that they value the most and then plan and act to achieve those states. This sounds pretty similar to having goals, in quotes, to us. End of footnote, back to the main text. That said, planning in the real world instead of games is much more complex, and to date we're not aware of any unambiguous examples of goal-directed planning systems, or systems that exhibit high degrees of strategic awareness. But as we've discussed, we expect to see further advances within this century, and we think these advances are likely to produce systems with all three of the above properties. That's because we think that there are particularly strong incentives, like profit, to develop these kinds of systems. In short, because being able to plan to achieve a goal and execute that plan seems like a particularly powerful and general way of affecting the world. Getting things done, whether that's a company selling products, a person buying a house, or a government developing policy, almost always seems to require these skills. One example would be assigning a powerful system a goal and expecting the system to achieve it, rather than having to guide it every step of the way. So planning systems seem likely to be economically and politically extremely useful. Here's a short footnote. That's not to say that it's necessary for AIs to be able to plan in order for them to be useful. Many things that AI could be useful for, like illustrating books or writing articles, don't seem to require planning or strategic awareness at all. But it does seem reasonable to say that an AI that could make and execute plans for a goal is more likely to have a significant impact on the world than one that cannot. The footnote ends, back to the main text. And if systems are extremely useful, there are likely to be big incentives to build them. For example, an AI that could plan the actions of a company by being given the goal to increase its profits, that is, an AI CEO, would likely provide significant wealth for the people involved a direct incentive to produce such an AI. As a result, if we can build systems with these properties, and from what we know it seems like we will be able to, it seems that we are likely to do so. Here's a long footnote. Carl Smith, section 3, gives two other reasons why we might expect these kinds of advanced, strategically aware planning systems to be built. This is a list of dot points. Dot point it may be easier to produce these kinds of systems. For example, the best way to automate many tasks may be to create systems that can learn new tasks instead of separately automating each task. 
And perhaps the best way to create systems that can learn new tasks is to create a planning system that has a high level of understanding of how the world in general works, and then fine-tuning this system on specific tasks. Dot point. We may find that planning is difficult to avoid as we create more sophisticated systems. For example, some have argued that being an excellent planner and having the advanced capabilities to carry out any plans created is the best way of achieving any task. If that's true, then as we optimize our systems, we should expect them to, once we've optimized hard enough, become good at planning. That ends the footnote and brings a heading, which is the second of the four arguments being made in this chapter. Advanced planning systems could easily be dangerously misaligned, in quotes. There are reasons to think that these kinds of advanced planning AI systems will be misaligned. That is, they will aim to do things that we don't want them to do. There are many reasons why systems might not be aiming to do exactly what we want them to do. For one thing, we don't know how, using modern ML techniques, to give systems the precise goals we want. More here, that's a link to a point later in this chapter. We're going to focus specifically on some reasons why systems might by default be misaligned in such a way that they develop plans that pose risks to humanity's ability to influence the world, even when we don't want that influence to be lost. What do we mean by by default? Essentially, unless we actively find solutions to some potentially quite difficult problems, then it seems like we'll create dangerously misaligned AI. There are reasons this might be wrong, which we discuss later. Here's a section of text inside a box. Three examples of misalignment in a variety of systems. It's worth noting that misalignment isn't a purely theoretical possibility or specific to AI. We see misaligned goals in humans and institutions all the time and have also seen examples of misalignment in AI systems. So there are three examples given here. Example one, winning elections. Example two, the profit incentive. Example three, specification gaming in existing AI systems. There's more text for each of these examples, but first there's a long footnote. Example one, winning elections. The democratic political framework is intended to ensure that politicians make decisions that benefit society. But what political systems actually reward is winning elections. So that's what many politicians end up aiming for. This is a decent proxy goal. If you have a plan to improve people's lives, they're probably more likely to vote for you. But it isn't perfect. As a result, politicians do things that aren't clearly the best way of running a country, like raising taxes at the start of their term and cutting them right before elections. That is to say, the things the system does are at least a little different from what we would in a perfect world want it to do. The system is misaligned. Here's example two, the profit incentive. Companies have profit-making incentives. By producing more, and therefore helping people obtain goods and services at cheaper prices, companies make more money. This is, sometimes, a decent proxy for making the world better, but profit isn't actually the same as the good of all humanity. Bold claim, we know. As a result, there are negative externalities. For example, companies will pollute to make money, despite this being worse for society overall. Again, we have a misaligned system, where the things the system does are at least a little different from what we would want it to do. 
And here is example 3, specification gaming in existing AI systems. DeepMind has documented examples of specification gaming, an AI doing well according to its specified reward function, which encodes our intentions for the system, but not doing what researchers intended. In one example, a robot arm was asked to grasp a ball. But the reward was specified in terms of whether humans thought the robot had been successful. As a result, the arm learned to hover between the ball and the camera, fooling the humans into thinking that it had grasped the ball. So we know it's possible to create a misaligned AI system. Here's a long footnote. In the two human examples given in this section, politicians and companies, the negative effects of misalignment are tempered somewhat. This is for two reasons. One, neither companies nor politicians have absolute power. Two, we are talking about humans whose true incentives are actually more complex. For example, they might care about acting ethically and not just achieving their specified goal. As a result, it's hard for a set of politicians to turn things completely upside down for votes. Some politicians will put in place unpopular policies they think will make things better. And some companies will do things like donate a portion of their profits to charity. Of course, it's arguable whether companies' charitable donations are truly hurting their profits, and if they'd make them if they were. It's possible that they get enough good press from work like this that it actually makes them money. But there are definitely examples where this is much harder to argue. For example, some meat and dairy farmers are selling their animals and concentrating on growing plants instead because of concerns about the moral value of animals. Misaligned AI systems, especially those with advanced capabilities, doing things more than moving around a simulated robot arm, won't necessarily have these tempering human instincts and could have a lot more power. The footnote ends, back to the main text. Now there's a heading. Why these systems could, by default, be dangerously misaligned. Here's the core argument of this article. We'll use all three properties from earlier, planning ability, strategic awareness, and advanced capabilities. To start, we should realize that a planning system that has a goal will also develop instrumental goals, in quotes. Things that, if they occur, will make it easier to achieve an overall goal. We use instrumental goals in plans all the time. For example, a high schooler planning their career might think that getting into university will be helpful for their future job prospects. In this case, getting into university would be an instrumental goal. A sufficiently advanced AI planning system would also include instrumental goals in its overall plans. If a planning AI system also has enough strategic awareness, it will be able to identify facts about the real world including potential things that would be obstacles to any plans, and plan in light of them. Crucially, these facts would include that access to resources, for example, money, compute, influence, and greater capabilities, that is, forms of power, open up new, more effective ways of achieving goals. This means that, by default, advanced planning AI systems would have some worrying instrumental goals. Here are some dot points. Dot point. Self-preservation. 
because the system is more likely to achieve its goals if it is still around to pursue them. In Stuart Russell's memorable phrase, you can't fetch the coffee if you're dead. Dot point. Preventing any changes to the AI's system's goals, since changing its goals would lead to outcomes that are different from those it would achieve with its current goals. Dot point. Gaining power. For example, by getting more resources and greater capabilities. That's the end of the dot points. Crucially, one clear way in which the AI can ensure that it will continue to exist and not be turned off, and that its objectives will never be changed, would be to gain power over the humans who might affect it. We talk here about how AI systems might actually be able to do that. That's a link. What's more, the AI systems we're considering have advanced capabilities, meaning they can do one or more tasks that grant people significant power when carried out well in today's world. With such advanced capabilities, these instrumental goals will not be out of reach. And as a result, it seems like the AI system would use its advanced capabilities to get power as part of the plan's execution. If we don't want the AI systems we create to take power away from us, this would be a particularly dangerous form of misalignment. In the most extreme scenarios, a planning AI system with sufficiently advanced capabilities could successfully disempower us completely. As a very non-rigorous intuitive check on this argument, let's try to apply it to humans. Humans have a variety of goals. For many of these goals, some form of power-seeking is advantageous. Though not everyone seeks power, many people do, in the form of wealth or social or political status, because it's useful for getting what they want. This is not catastrophic, usually, because as human beings, we generally feel bound by human norms and morality. Even people who really want wealth usually aren't willing to kill to get it. We aren't that much more capable or intelligent than one another. So even in cases where people aren't held back by morality, they're not able to take over the world. We discuss whether humans are truly power-seeking later. A sufficiently advanced AI wouldn't have those limitations. Here's a heading. It might be hard to find ways to prevent this sort of misalignment. The point of all this isn't to say that any advanced planning AI system will necessarily attempt to seek power. Instead, it's to point out that unless we find a way to design systems that don't have this flaw, we'll face significant risk. It seems more than plausible that we could create an AI system that isn't misaligned in this way and thereby prevent any disempowerment. Here are some strategies we might take plus, unfortunately, some reasons why they might be difficult in practice. It's a list of dot points with more detail under each one. The dot points are control the objectives of the AI system, control the inputs into the AI system, and control the capabilities of the AI system. The first one, control the objectives of the AI system. We may be able to design systems that simply don't have objectives to which the above argument applies and thus don't incentivize power-seeking behavior. For example, we could find ways to explicitly instruct AI systems not to harm humans, or find ways to reward AI systems in training environments for not engaging in specific kinds of power-seeking behavior. 
and also find ways to ensure that this behaviour continues outside the training environment. Carl Smith gives two reasons why doing this seems particularly hard. First, for modern ML systems, we don't get to explicitly state a system's objectives. Instead, we reward or punish a system in a training environment so that it learns on its own. This raises a number of difficulties, one of which is goal misgeneralization. Researchers have uncovered real examples of systems that appear to have learned to pursue a goal in the training environment, but then fail to generalize that goal when they operate in a new environment. This raises the possibility that we could think we've successfully trained an AI system not to seek power, but that the system would seek power anyway when deployed in the real world. Second, when we specify a goal to an AI system, or when we can't explicitly do that, when we find ways to reward or punish a system during training, we usually do this by giving the system a proxy by which outcomes can be measured. For example, positive human feedback on a system's achievement. But often those proxies don't quite work. In general, we might expect that even if a proxy appears to correlate well with successful outcomes, it might not do so when that proxy is optimised for. The examples above of politicians, companies and the robot arm failing to grasp a ball are illustrations of this. We'll look at a more specific example of how problems with proxies could lead to an existential catastrophe here. It's a link to an article on 80,000hours.org. For more on the specific difficulty of controlling the objectives given to deep neural networks, trained using self-supervised learning and reinforcement learning, we recommend OpenAI governance researcher Richard Ngo's discussion of how realistic training processes lead to the development of misaligned goals. That's a link. That was the dot point, control the objectives to the AI system. Now there's control the inputs into the AI system. AI systems will only develop plans to seek power if they have enough information about the world to realise that seeking power is indeed a way to achieve its goals. Next dot point, control the capabilities of the AI system. AI systems will likely only be able to carry out plans to seek power if they have sufficiently advanced capabilities in skills that grant people significant power in today's world. It's the end of the list. The text goes on. But to make any strategy work, it will need to both... Here are two dot points. Each has a main point and then a bunch of details afterwards. The two main points are... Retain the usefulness of the AI systems... And the second is, continue to work as the planning ability and strategic awareness of systems improve over time. The first one. Retain the usefulness of the AI systems, and so remain economically competitive with less safe systems. Controlling the inputs and capabilities of AI systems will clearly have costs, so it seems hard to ensure that these controls, even if they're developed, are actually used. But this is also a problem for controlling a system's objectives. For example, we may be able to prevent power-seeking behaviour by ensuring that AI systems stop to check in with humans about any decisions they make. But these systems might be significantly slower and less immediately useful to people than systems that don't stop to carry out these checks. As a result, there might still be incentives to use a faster, more initially effective, misaligned system. We'll look at incentives more in the next section. And here's the second dot point, the second requirement for any strategy to work. 
continue to work as the planning ability and strategic awareness of systems improve over time. Some seemingly simple solutions, for example trying to give a system a long list of things it isn't allowed to do, like stealing money or physically harming humans, break down as the planning abilities of the systems increase. This is because the more capable a system is at developing plans, the more likely it is to identify loopholes or failures in the safety strategy. And as a result, the more likely the system is to develop a plan that involves power-seeking. That's the end of the dot point. On with the text. Ultimately, by looking at the state of the research on this topic and speaking to experts in the field, we think that there are currently no known ways of building aligned AI systems that seem likely to fulfil both these criteria. So, that's the core argument. There are many variants of this argument. Some have argued that AI systems might gradually shape our future via subtler forms of influence that nonetheless could amount to an existential catastrophe. Others argue that the most likely form of disempowerment is in fact just killing everyone. We're not sure how a catastrophe would be most likely to play out, but have tried to articulate the heart of the argument as we see it, that AI presents an existential risk. There are definitely reasons this argument might not be right. We go through some of the reasons that seem strongest to us below. But overall, it seems very likely to us that, for at least some kinds of advanced planning AI systems, it will be harder to build systems that don't seek power in this dangerous way than to build systems that do. Here's a text box that says, at this point, you may have questions like, why can't we just unplug a dangerous AI? Surely a truly intelligent AI system would know not to disempower everyone? Couldn't we just sandbox any potentially dangerous AI system until we know it's safe? Can't you just not give an AI system bad goals? We think there are good responses to all these questions, so we've added a long list of arguments against working on AI risk and our responses for these and other questions below. Here's a link to a section with many questions, which we'll arrive at later in this narration. If you want to go there now, navigate to Arguments Against Working on AI Risk, to which we think there are strong responses. That's the end of the text box, and we come to another heading, the third of the four arguments that power-seeking AI could pose an existential threat to humanity. Disempowerment by AI systems would be an existential catastrophe. When we say we're concerned about existential catastrophes, we're not just concerned about risks of extinction. This is because the source of our concern is rooted in long-termism. The idea that the lives of all future generations matter, and so it's extremely important to protect their interests. This means that any event that could prevent all future generations from living lives full of whatever you think makes life valuable, whether that's happiness, justice, beauty, or general flourishing, counts as an existential catastrophe. It seems extremely unlikely that we'd be able to regain power over a system that successfully disempowers humanity. And as a result, the entirety of the future, everything that happens for Earth-originating life, for the rest of time, would be determined by the goals of systems that, although built by us, are not aligned with us. Perhaps those goals will create a long and flourishing future, but we see little reason for confidence. This isn't to say that we don't think AI also poses a risk of human extinction. Indeed, 
We think making humans extinct is one highly plausible way in which an AI system could completely and permanently ensure that we are never able to regain power. Here is a heading. It's the fourth argument that power-seeking AI could pose an existential threat to humanity. People might deploy misaligned AI systems despite the risk. Surely no one would actually build or use a misaligned AI if they knew it could have such terrible consequences, right? Unfortunately, there are at least two reasons people might create and then deploy misaligned AI, which we'll go through one at a time. 1. People might think it's aligned when it's not. Imagine there's a group of researchers trying to tell, in a test environment, whether a system they've built is aligned. We've argued that an intelligent planning AI will want to improve its abilities to affect changes in pursuit of its objective, and it's almost always easier to do that if it's deployed in the real world, where a much wider range of actions are available. As a result, any misaligned AI that's sophisticated enough will try to understand what the researchers wanted to do and at least pretend to be doing that, deceiving the researchers into thinking it's aligned. For example, a reinforcement learning system might be rewarded for certain apparent behaviour during training, regardless of what it's actually doing. Hopefully, we'll be aware of this sort of behaviour and be able to detect it. But catching a sufficiently advanced AI in deception seems potentially harder than catching a human in a lie, which isn't always easy. For example, a sufficiently intelligent deceptive AI system may be able to deceive us into thinking we've solved the problem of AI deception, even if we haven't. If AI systems are good at deception and have sufficiently advanced capabilities, a reasonable strategy for such a system could be to deceive humans completely until the system has a way to guarantee it can overcome any resistance to its goals. That was heading one, people might think it's aligned when it's not. Here's heading two. There are incentives to deploy systems sooner rather than later. We might also expect some people with the ability to deploy a misaligned AI to charge ahead, despite any warning signs of misalignment that do come up, because of race dynamics, where people developing AI want to do so before anyone else. For example, if you're developing an AI to improve military or political strategy, it's much more useful if none of your rivals have a similarly powerful AI. These incentives apply even to people attempting to build an AI in the hopes of using it to make the world a better place. For example, say you've spent years and years researching and developing a powerful AI system, and all you want is to use it to make the world a better place. Simplifying things a lot, say there are two possibilities. One, this powerful AI will be aligned with your beneficent aims, and you'll transform society in a potentially radically positive way. Two, the AI will be sufficiently misaligned that it'll take power and permanently end humanity's control over the future. Let's say you think there's a 90% chance that you've succeeded in building an aligned AI. But technology often develops at similar speeds across society, so there's a good chance that someone else will soon also develop a powerful AI. And you think they're less cautious or less altruistic, so you think their AI will only have an 80% chance of being aligned with good goals and pose a 20% chance of existential catastrophe. And only if you get there first can your more beneficial AI be dominant. As a result, you might decide to go ahead with deploying your AI 
accepting the 10% risk. Here's a text box. This all sounds very abstract. What could an existential catastrophe caused by AI actually look like? The argument we've given so far is very general and doesn't really look at the specifics of how an AI that is attempting to seek power might actually do so. If you'd like to get a better understanding of what an existential catastrophe caused by AI might actually look like, we've written a short, separate article on that topic. So now the article has a link to another full article, What Could an AI-Caused Existential Catastrophe Look Like? This article has also been narrated by Sean Acker. Here it is now. We'll return to this article afterwards. What Could an AI-Caused Existential Catastrophe Actually Look Like? by Benjamin Hilton, narrated by Sean Acker. Published August the 25th, 2022. At 5.29am on July 16th, 1945, deep in the Jornada del Muerto desert in New Mexico, the Manhattan Project carried out the world's first successful test of a nuclear weapon. From that moment, we've had the technological capacity to wipe out humanity. But if you asked someone in 1945 to predict exactly how this risk would play out, they would almost certainly have got it wrong. They may have thought there would have been more widespread use of nuclear weapons in World War II. They certainly would not have predicted the fall of the USSR 45 years later. Current experts are concerned about India-Pakistan nuclear conflict and North Korean state action. But 1945 was before even the partition of India or the Korean War. That is to say, you'd have real difficulty predicting anything about how nuclear weapons would be used. It would have been even harder to make these predictions in 1933, when Leo Szilard first realized that a nuclear chain reaction of immense power could be possible, without any concrete idea of what these weapons would look like. Despite this difficulty, you wouldn't be wrong to be concerned. In our problem profile on AI, we describe a very general way in which advancing AI could go wrong, but there are lots of specifics we can't know much about at this point. Maybe there will be a single transformative AI system, or maybe there will be many. There could be very fast growth in the capabilities of AI, or very slow growth. Each scenario will look a little different and carry different risks. And the specific problems that arise in any one scenario are necessarily less likely to happen than the overall risk. Despite not knowing how things will play out, it may still be useful to look at some concrete possibilities of how things could go wrong. In particular, we argued in the full profile that sufficiently advanced systems might be able to take power away from humans. How could that possibly happen? Section heading. How could a power-seeking AI actually take power? Here are seven possible techniques that could be used by a power-seeking AI or multiple AI systems working together to actually gain power. These techniques could all interact with one another and it's difficult to say at this point, years or decades before the technology exists, which are most likely to be used. Also, systems more intelligent than humans 
could develop plans to seek power that we haven't yet thought of. Technique number one, hacking. Software is absolutely full of vulnerabilities. The U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology reported over 8,000 vulnerabilities found in systems across the world in 2021, an average of 50 per day. Most of these are small, but every so often they are used to cause huge chaos. The list of most expensive crypto hacks keeps getting new entrants. As of March 2022, the largest was $624 million stolen from Ronin Network. And nobody noticed for six days. Note number two. Business Leader suggests that there have been two hacks, not in crypto, that caused greater than $1 billion in losses. But we haven't been able to corroborate that with other sources. End of the note. One expert we spoke to said that professional red teams, security staff whose job it is to find vulnerabilities in systems, frequently manage to infiltrate their clients, including crucial and powerful infrastructure like banks and national energy grids. In 2010, the Stuxnet virus successfully managed to destroy Iranian nuclear enrichment centrifuges. Despite these centrifuges being completely disconnected from the internet, marking the first time a piece of malware was used to cause physical damage. A Russian hack in 2016 was used to cause blackouts in Ukraine. All this has happened with just the hacking abilities that humans currently have. An AI with highly advanced capabilities seems likely to be able to systematically hack almost any system on Earth, especially if we automate more and more crucial infrastructure over time. And if it did use hacking to get large amounts of money or compromise a crucial system, that would be a form of real-world power over humans. Technique number two, gaining financial resources. We already have computer systems with huge financial resources making automated decisions. And these already go wrong sometimes, for example, leading to flash crashes in the market. There are lots of ways a truly advanced planning AI system could gain financial resources. It could steal, for example, through hacking, become very good at investing or high-speed trading, develop and sell products and services, or try to gain influence or control over wealthy people, other AI systems, or organizations. Technique number three, persuading or coercing humans. Having influence over specific people or groups of people is an important way that individuals seek power in our current society. Given that AIs can already communicate, if imperfectly, in natural language with humans, for example via chatbots, a more advanced and strategic AI could use this ability to manipulate human actors to its own ends. Advanced planning AI systems might be able to do this through things like paying humans to do things, promising, whether true or false, future wealth, power or happiness. Persuading, for example through deception or appeals to morality or ideology, or coercing, for example blackmail or physical threats. Relatedly, as we discuss in our AI problem profile, 
it's plausible one of the instrumental goals of an advanced planning AI would be deceiving people with the power to shut the system down into thinking that the system is indeed aligned. The better our monitoring and oversight systems, the harder it will be for AI systems to do this. Conversely, the worse these systems are, or if the AI has hacked the systems, the easier it will be for AI systems to deceive humans. If AI systems are good at deceiving humans, it also becomes easier for them to use the other techniques on this list. Technique number four, gaining broader social influence. We could imagine AI systems replicating things like Russia's interference in the 2016 US election, manipulating political and moral discourse through social media posts and other online content. There are plenty of other ways of gaining social influence. These include intervening in legal processes, for example, aiding in lobbying or regulatory capture, weakening human institutions, or empowering specific destabilizing actors, for example, particular politicians, corporations, or rogue actors like terrorists. Technique number five, developing new technology. It's clear that developing advanced technology is a route for humans, or groups of humans, to gain power. Some advanced capabilities seem likely to make it possible for AI systems to develop new technology. For example, AI systems may be very good at collating and understanding information on the internet and in academic journals. Also, there are already AI tools that assist in writing code, so it seems plausible that coding new products and systems could become a key AI capability. It's not clear what technology an AI system could develop. If the capabilities of the system are similar to our own, it could develop things we're currently working on. But if the system's capabilities are well beyond our own, it's harder for us to figure out what could be developed. And this possibility seems even more dangerous. We talk more about the specific risks of AI-developed technology in our full problem profile on AI. Technique number six, scaling up its own capabilities. If an AI system is able to improve its own capabilities, that could be used to improve specific abilities. Like others on this list, it could use to seek and keep power. To do this, the system could target the three inputs to modern deep learning systems, algorithms, compute, and data. Now we have three bullet points. First point. The system may have advanced capabilities in areas that allow it to improve AI algorithms. For example, the AI system may be particularly good at programming or ML development. Next point. The system may be able to increase its own access to computational resources, which it could then use for training to speed itself up or to run copies of itself. Last point. The system could gain access to data that humans aren't able to gather, using this data for training purposes to improve its own capabilities. Technique number seven. Developing destructive capacity. Most dangerously, one way of gaining power is by having the ability to threaten destruction. This could be used to gain other things on this list, 
like social influence, or the other things on this list could be used to gain destructive capabilities, like hacking military systems. Here are some possible mechanisms for gaining destructive power. First point, gaining control over autonomous weapons, like drones. Next point, developing systems for monitoring and surveillance of humans. Next point, attacking things humans need to survive, like water, food, or oxygen. Last point, producing or gaining access to biological, chemical, or nuclear weapons. Ultimately, making humans extinct would completely remove any threat that humans would ever pose to the power of an AI system. Section Heading How could the full story play out? Hopefully you now have a slightly stronger intuition for how AI systems could attempt to seek power. But which, if any, of these techniques will be used and how really depends on how other aspects of the risk play out. How rapidly will AI capabilities improve? Will there be many advanced AI systems or just one? Over the past few years, researchers in the fields of technical AI safety and AI governance have developed a number of stories describing the sorts of ways in which a power-seeking AI system could cause an existential catastrophe. Sam Clark, an AI governance researcher at the University of Cambridge, and Samuel Martin, an AI safety researcher at King's College London, collated eight such stories here. You can find this post at www.alignmentforum.org and the title is Distinguishing AI Takeover Scenarios. Back to the main text. Here are two stories we've written to illustrate some major themes. The first story, existential catastrophe through getting what you measure. Often in life, we use proxy goals, which are easier to specify or measure than what we actually care about, but crucially, aren't quite what we actually care about. For example, first point, Police forces use the number of crimes reported in an area as a proxy for the actual number of crimes committed. Next point. Employers look at which college a potential future employee went to as a proxy for how well-educated or intelligent they are. Last point. Governments attempt to increase reported life satisfaction in surveys as a proxy for actually improving people's lives. This scenario is one where we produce AI systems that pursue proxy goals instead of what we actually care about, and where that, surprisingly, leads to total disempowerment or even extinction. Thanks to Paul Cristiano for the original write-up of this scenario. You can find this post at www.alignmentforum.org and the title is What Failure Looks Like. Back to the main text. For example, we might produce AI policymakers to develop policy that improves our measurements of well-being. Or we might produce AI law enforcement systems that drive down complaints and increase people's reported sense of security. But there are ways in which these proxy goals could come apart from their true aims 
For example, law enforcement could suppress complaints and hide information about their failures. In this scenario, the capabilities of AI systems develop slowly enough that, at first, they aren't able to substantially take power away from humans. That means that, at first, we could recognize any problems with the systems, adjust the proxy goals, and restrict the AI systems from doing anything harmful that we notice. As we develop more capable systems, they'll become better at achieving their proxy goals. With the help of advanced AI systems, we could, for a while, become more prosperous as a society. Companies or states that refuse to automate would fall behind, both economically and militarily. But as the capabilities of these AI systems grow, our ability to correct the ways their proxy goals differ from our true goals would gradually fade. Partly, this would be because their actions would become harder to reason about, more complex and more interconnected with other automated systems and with society as a whole. But partly, this would be because the systems learn to systematically prevent us from changing their goals. There would be many different automated systems with many different goals, so it's hard to say exactly how the scenario would end. If we're good at adjusting these systems as we go, but not good enough, humans may not go extinct, but rather just completely lose our ability to influence anything about our lives or our future, as our power is completely removed. But there are also cases where we'd eventually go extinct. These AI systems would have the incentive to seek power, and as a result, to build and use destructive capabilities. So as soon as they're strong enough to have a fairly large chance of success, the AI systems might attempt to disempower humans, perhaps with cyber warfare, autonomous weapons, or by hiring or coercing people, leading to an existential catastrophe. The second story, existential catastrophe through a single extremely advanced artificial intelligence. In this scenario, we produce only a single power-seeking AI system. But this system is extremely capable at improving its own capabilities. This scenario is from Superintelligence by Nick Bostrom, Chapter 8. Bostrom considers a world much like ours today, where we've had some success automating specific activities and preventing any power-seeking behavior. For example, we have self-driving cars, driverless trains, and autonomous weapon systems. Unsurprisingly, in Bostrom's scenario, there are mishaps. Perhaps, as has already happened in our world, there are some fatal crashes involving self-driving cars, or an autonomous drone might attack humans without being told to do so. As these incidents become well-known, there would be some public debate. Some would call for regulation, others for better systems. Some may even raise the argument about a possible existential threat from power-seeking. But the incentives to automate would be strong, and development would continue. Over time, the systems would improve, and the mistakes would cease. Against this backdrop, Bostrom imagines a group of researchers attempting to produce a system which can do more than just narrow specific tasks, again mirroring our world. In particular, in this scenario, 
they want to automate AI development itself and produce a system that's capable of improving its own capabilities. They're aware of the risks and carefully test the AI in a sandbox environment, noticing nothing wrong. The team of researchers carefully considered deploying their newly capable AI, knowing that it might be power-seeking. Here are some thoughts they might have. Number one. There's been a history of people predicting awful outcomes from AI and being proven wrong. Indeed, systems have become safer over time. Automation has hugely benefited society, and in general, automated operation seems safer than human operation. Number two. It has clearly been the case so far that the smarter and more capable the AI, the safer it is. After all, the mishaps we used to see are no longer an issue. Number three. AI is crucial to the success of economies and militaries. The most prestigious minds of a generation are pioneers in the success of automation. Huge prestige awaits the creators of an AI-creating AI. Number four. The creation of this AI could pose a solution to huge problems. The technological development that could ensue from a process that helps automate automation could lift millions out of poverty and produce better lives for all. Number five. Every safety test we've conducted has had results as good as they could possibly be. And so, as a result, the researchers decide to connect this AI up to the internet. At first, everything seems to be fine. The AI behaves exactly as expected. It improves its own capabilities and that of automated machines across the world. The economy grows tremendously. The researchers gain acclaim. Solutions to problems that have long plagued humanity seem to be on the horizon with this new technology's help. But one day, every single person in the world suddenly dies. Every test was perfect, precisely because they had finally produced an advanced planning system. The AI could tell that, to achieve whatever goal the researchers had given it, it needed to be deployed, so it acted in all the necessary ways to ensure that happened. Then, once deployed, the AI could tell that it needed to continue to appear to be safe so that it wouldn't be turned off. But in the background, it was using its extremely advanced capabilities to find a way to gain the absolute ability to achieve its goals without human interference. Say, by discreetly manufacturing a biological or chemical weapon. It deploys the weapon, and the story is over. That was an audio narration of What Could an AI-Caused Existential Catastrophe Actually Look Like? by Benjamin Hilton, narrated by Sean Acker. You can find the original paper at www.80,000hours.org. That's the end of the separate article. Now we return to our article at chapter heading 4. Chapter heading 4. Even if we find a way to avoid power-seeking, there are still risks. So far, we've described what a large proportion of researchers in the field think is the major existential risk from potential advances in AI, 
which depends crucially on an AI seeking power to achieve its goals. If we can prevent power-seeking behaviour, we will have reduced existential risk enormously. But even if we succeed, there are still risks that AI could pose. Heading. AI could worsen war. We're concerned that great power conflict could also pose a substantial threat to our world, and advances in AI seem likely to change the nature of war, through lethal autonomous weapons, or through automated decision-making. In some cases, great power war could pose an existential threat. For example, if the conflict is nuclear, it's possible that AI could exacerbate risks of nuclear escalation, although there are also reasons to think AI could decrease this risk. Here's a long footnote. This is because the current dominant nuclear deterrence strategy of mutually assured destruction relies on symmetry between the abilities of nuclear powers, so that the threat of a nuclear response to a first strike is believable. Advances in AI which could be directly applied to nuclear forces could create asymmetries in the capabilities of nuclear armed nations. This could include improving early warning systems, air defence systems, and cyber-attacks that disable weapons. For example, many countries use submarine-launched ballistic missiles as part of their nuclear deterrence systems. The idea is that if nuclear weapons can be hidden under the ocean, they will never be destroyed in the first strike. This means that they can always be used for a counterattack, and therefore act as an effective deterrent against first strikes. But AI could make it far easier to detect submarines underwater, making it possible to destroy submarines on a first strike, removing this deterrent. A report from the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute found that, while AI could potentially also have stabilising effects, for example by making everyone feel more vulnerable, decreasing the chances of escalation, we could see destabilising effects even before advances in AI are actually deployed. This is because one state's belief that their opponents have new nuclear capabilities can be enough to disrupt the delicate balance of deterrence. Luckily, there are also plausible ways in which AI could help prevent the use of nuclear weapons. For example, by improving the ability of states to detect nuclear launches, reducing the chances of false alarms like those that nearly caused nuclear war in 1983. So, overall, we're uncertain about whether AI will substantially increase the risk of nuclear conflict in the short term. That's the end of the footnote, and we're back in this section, AI could worsen war. Finally, if a single actor produces particularly powerful AI systems, this could be seen as giving them a decisive strategic advantage. For example, the US may produce a planning AI that's intelligent enough to ensure that Russia or China could never successfully launch another nuclear weapon. This could incentivize a first strike from the actor's rivals before these AI-developed plans can ever be put into action. Heading. AI could be used to develop dangerous new technology. We expect that AI systems will help increase the rate of scientific progress. A short footnote here reads, we already have some automated research assistants, for example, illicit. If AI systems replace some jobs or speed up economic growth, we'll see more resources able to be dedicated to scientific advancement. And if we're successful at developing particularly capable AI systems, we could see parts of the scientific process being automated completely. 
Back to the main text. While there will be clear benefits to this automation, the rapid development of new medicine, for example, some forms of technological development can pose threats, including existential threats, to humanity. This could be through biotechnology, see our article on preventing catastrophic pandemics for more, or through some other form of currently unknown but dangerous technology. Heading. AI could empower totalitarian governments. An AI-enabled authoritarian government could completely automate the monitoring and repression of its citizens, as well as significantly influence the information people see, perhaps making it impossible to coordinate action against such a regime. A medium footnote here reads, AI is already facilitating the ability of governments to monitor their own citizens. The NSA is using AI to help filter the huge amounts of data they collect, significantly speeding up their ability to identify and predict the actions of people they are monitoring. China is increasingly using facial recognition and predictive policing, including automated racial profiling and automated alarms when people classified as potential threats enter certain public places. These sorts of surveillance technologies look like they are going to significantly improve, and in doing so, significantly increase the ability for governments to control their populations. That's the end of the footnote. Back to the main text. If this became a form of truly stable totalitarianism, this could make people's lives far worse for extremely long periods of time, making it a particularly scary possible scenario resulting from AI. Heading. Other risks from AI. We're also concerned about the following issues, though we know less about them. Here's a list of dot points. Dot point. Existential threats that result not from the power-seeking behaviour of AI systems, but as a result of the interaction between AI systems. In order to pose a risk, these systems would still need to be, to some extent, misaligned. Dot point. Other ways we haven't thought of in which AI systems could be misused, especially ones that might significantly affect future generations. Dot point. Other moral mistakes made in the design and use of AI systems, particularly if future AI systems are themselves deserving of moral consideration. For example, perhaps we will inadvertently create conscious AI systems, which could then suffer in huge numbers. We think this could be extremely important, so we've written about it in a separate problem profile. That's a link to another 80,000 hours webpage on artificial sentience. Chapter heading. So, how likely is an AI-related catastrophe? This is a really difficult question to answer. There are no past examples we can use to determine the frequency of AI-related catastrophes. All we have to go off are arguments, like the ones we've given above, and less relevant data like the history of technological advances. And we're definitely not certain that the arguments we've presented are completely correct. Consider the argument we gave earlier about the dangers of power-seeking AI in particular, based off Carl Smith's report. At the end of his report, Carl Smith gives some rough guesses of the chances that each stage of his argument is correct, conditional on the previous stage being correct. 1. By 2070, it will be possible and financially feasible to build strategically aware systems that can outperform humans on many power-granting tasks, 
and that can successfully make and carry out plans. Carl Smith guesses there's a 65% chance of this being true. Two, given this feasibility, there will be strong incentives to build such systems. 80%. Three, given both the feasibility and incentives to build such systems, it will be much harder to develop aligned systems that don't seek power than to develop misaligned systems that do, but which are at least superficially attractive to deploy. 40%. Four, given all of this, some deployed systems will seek power in a misaligned way that causes over $1 trillion in 2021 dollars of damage. 65%. Five, given all the previous premises, misaligned power-seeking AI systems will end up disempowering basically all of humanity. 40%. Six, given all the previous premises, this disempowerment will constitute an existential catastrophe. 95%. Multiplying these numbers together, Carl Smith estimated that there's a 5% chance that his argument is right and there will be an existential catastrophe for misaligned power-seeking AI by 2070. When we spoke to Carl Smith, he noted that in the year between the writing of his report and the publication of this article, his overall guess at the chance of an existential catastrophe from power-seeking AI by 2070 had increased to more than 10%. Footnote here reads, Reviewers were asked to critique Carl Smith's report and give their own estimates of the existential risk from power-seeking AI. The estimates given of existential risk from power-seeking AI by 2070 were Aschenbrenner, 0.5%, Garfinkel, 0.4%, Cockatello, 65%, Nanda, 9%, Suarez, more than 77%, Tarsney, 3.5%, Thorstad, 0.000002%, Wallace, 2%. Back to the main text. The overall probability of existential catastrophe from AI is likely higher than this, because there are other routes to possible catastrophe, like those discussed in the previous section. Although our guess is that these other routes are probably a lot less likely to lead to existential catastrophe. For another estimate, in The Precipice, philosopher and 80,000 Hours trustee Toby Ord estimated a 1 in 6 risk of existential catastrophe by 2120 from any cause, and that 60% of this risk comes from misaligned AI, giving a total of a 10% risk of existential catastrophe from misaligned AI by 2120. A 2021 survey of 44 researchers working on reducing existential risks from AI found the median risk estimate was 32.5%. The highest answer given was 98% and the lowest was 2%. There's obviously a lot of selection bias here. People choose to work on reducing risks from AI because they think this is unusually important. So we should expect estimates from this survey to be substantially higher than estimates from other sources. But there's clearly significant uncertainty about how big this risk is and huge variation in answers. All these numbers are shockingly, disturbingly high. We're far from certain that all the arguments are correct, 
that these are generally the highest guesses for the level of existential risk of any of the issues we've examined, like engineered pandemics, great power conflict, climate change, or nuclear war. And as we've explained, we think the arguments for such high estimates of the existential risk posed by AI are persuasive, making risks from AI our top contender for the most pressing problem facing humanity. Chapter heading. Five. We can tackle these risks. We think one of the most important things you can do would be to help reduce the gravest risks that AI poses. This isn't just because we think these risks are high. It's also because we think there are real things we can do to reduce these risks. We know of two broad approaches. One, technical AI safety research. Two, AI governance research and implementation. For both of these, there are lots of ways to contribute. We'll go through them in more detail below, but in this section we want to illustrate the point that there are things we can do to address these risks. Heading. Technical AI safety research. The benefits of transformative AI could be huge, and there are many different actors involved, operating in different countries, which means it will likely be really hard to prevent its development altogether. It's also possible that it wouldn't even be a good idea if we could. After all, that would mean foregoing the benefits as well as preventing the risks. As a result, we think it makes more sense to focus on making sure that this development is safe, meaning that it has a high probability of avoiding all the catastrophic failures listed above. One way to do this is to try to develop technical solutions to prevent the kind of power-seeking behaviour we discussed earlier. This is generally known as working on technical AI safety, sometimes just called AI safety for short. There's a link here to more information later in this article about technical AI safety. Heading. AI governance research and implementation. A second strategy for reducing risks from AI is to shape its development through policy, norms building, and other governance mechanisms. Good AI governance can help technical safety work, for example by producing safety agreements between corporations, or helping talented safety researchers from around the world move to where they can be most effective. AI governance could also help with other problems that lead to risks, like race dynamics. But also, as we've discussed, even if we successfully manage to make AI do what we want, that is, we align it, we might still end up choosing something bad for it to do. So we need to worry about the incentives not just of the AI systems, but of the human actors using them. And once again, there's a link to more information about AI governance research later in this article. Here's a text box. Here are some more questions you might have. Can it make sense to dedicate my career to solving an issue based on a speculative story about a technology that may or may not ever exist? Is this a form of Pascal's mugging? Taking a big bet on tiny probabilities? Again, we think there are strong responses to these questions. You can check them out in the section below, arguments against working on AI risk to which we think there are strong responses. Chapter heading, six, this work is extremely neglected. We estimate there are around 300 people around the world working directly on reducing the chances of an AI-related existential catastrophe. Of these, 
about two-thirds are working on technical AI safety research, with the rest split between strategy and other governance research and advocacy. There's a footnote for that. I estimated this using the AI Watch database. For each organisation, I estimated the proportion of listed employees working directly on reducing existential risks from AI. There's a lot of subjective judgement in the estimate. For example, does it seem like this research agenda is about AI safety in particular? And it could be too low if AI Watch is missing data on some organisations, or too high if the data counts people more than once, or includes people who no longer work in the area. My 90% confidence interval would range from about 100 people to around 1,500 people. Back to the main text. In The Precipice, Ord estimated that there was between $10 million and $50 million spent on reducing AI risk in 2020. That might sound like a lot of money, but we're spending something like a thousand times that amount on speeding up the development of transformative AI via commercial capabilities research and engineering at large AI labs. There's another footnote there from before, it's footnote four, discussing the amount of money spent in more detail. The text goes on. To compare the $50 million spent on AI safety in 2020 to other well-known risks, we're currently spending several hundreds of billions per year on tackling climate change. Because this field is so neglected and has such high stakes, we think your impact working on risks from AI could be much higher than working on many other areas, which is why our top two recommended career paths for making a big positive difference in the world are technical AI safety and AI policy research and implementation. So that's the end of the section of this article that deals with the main argument. Now the article goes through some objections and then looks at what people can do about the risk in more detail including a list of key organisations working in the area. Chapter heading. What do we think are the best arguments we're wrong? As we said above, we're not totally sure the arguments we've presented for AI representing an existential threat are right. Though we do still think that the chance of catastrophe from AI is high enough to warrant many more people pursuing careers to try to prevent such an outcome, we also want to be honest about the arguments against doing so, so you can more easily make your own call on the question. Here, we'll cover the strongest reasons, in our opinion, to think this problem isn't particularly pressing. In the next section, we'll cover some common objections that, in our opinion, hold up less well, and explain why. There are five of these reasons listed here, and each one expands. I'll read out the reasons, and then I'll read out the expansions under them. We might have a lot of time to work on this problem. AI might improve gradually over time. We might need to solve alignment anyway to make AI useful. The problem could be extremely difficult to solve. We could be wrong that strategic AI systems are likely to seek power. And now the detail. We might have a lot of time to work on this problem. The longer we have before transformative AI is developed, the less pressing it is to work now on ways to ensure that it goes well. This is because the work of others in the future could be much better or more relevant than the work we are able to do now. Also, if it takes us a long time to create transformative AI, we have more time to figure out how to make it safe. 
The risk seems much higher if AI developers will create transformative AI in the next few decades. The primary reason that transformative AI could be far away is that it seems plausible that the first transformative AI won't be based on current deep learning methods. AI impacts have documented arguments that current methods won't be able to produce AI that has human-level intelligence. This could mean that some of our current research might not end up being useful. And also, depending on what method ends up being used, could make the arguments for risk less worrying. But even if current methods aren't going to produce transformative AI, there are still reasons to think we don't have that much time to work on this problem. For example, finding technical solutions to prevent power-seeking behaviour might be extremely difficult. Also, even if we can't use deep learning to build transformative AI, we may well come up with other methods of doing so. As a result, many AI experts guess we'll get transformative AI remarkably soon. We think that transformative AI is sufficiently likely in the next 20 to 80 years that it is well worth it in expected value terms to work on this issue now. Perhaps future generations will take care of it and all the work we do now will be in vain, and we hope so, but it might not be prudent to take that risk. The next argument, AI might improve gradually over time. If the best AI we have improves gradually over time, rather than AI capabilities remaining fairly low for a while and then suddenly increasing, we're likely to end up with warning shots, in quotes. We'll notice forms of misaligned behaviour in fairly weak systems and be able to correct for it before it's too late. In such a gradual scenario, we'll have a better idea about what form powerful AI might take. For example, whether it will be built using current deep learning techniques or something else entirely which could significantly help with safety research. There will also be more focus on this issue by society as a whole, as the risks of AI become clearer. So if gradual development of AI seems more likely, the risk seems lower. But it's very much not certain that AI development will be gradual. Or if it is, gradual enough for the risk to be noticeably lower. And even if AI development is gradual, there could still be significant benefits to having plans and technical solutions in place well in advance. So overall, we still think it's extremely valuable to attempt to reduce the risk now. If you want to learn more, you can read AI Impact's work on arguments for and against discontinuous, that is, non-gradual, progress in AI development. And Toby Ord and Owen Cotton Barrett on strategic implications of slower AI development. The next argument? We might need to solve alignment anyway to make AI useful. Making something have goals aligned with human designers' ultimate objectives and making something useful seem like very related problems. If so, perhaps the need to make AI useful will drive us to produce only aligned AI, in which case the alignment problem is likely to be solved by default. Ben Garfinkel gave us a few examples of this on our podcast. Dot point. You can think of a thermostat as a very simple AI that attempts to keep a room at a certain temperature. The thermostat has a metal strip in it that expands as the room heats and cuts off the current once a certain temperature has been reached. 
This piece of metal makes the thermostat act like it has the goal of keeping the room at a certain temperature, but also makes it capable of achieving this goal, and therefore of actually being useful. Dot point. Imagine you're building a cleaning robot with reinforcement learning techniques. That is, you provide some specific condition under which you give the robot positive feedback. You might say something like, the less dust in the house, the more positive the feedback. But if you do this, the robot will end up doing things you don't want, like ripping apart a cushion to find dust on the inside. Probably instead, you need to use techniques like those being developed by people working on AI safety. Things like watching a human clean a house and letting the AI figure things out from there. So people building AIs will be naturally incentivized to also try to make them aligned. And so in some sense, safe. So they can do their jobs. That's the end of the dot points. If we need to solve the problem of alignment anyway to make useful AI systems, this significantly reduces the chances we will have misaligned, but still superficially useful, AI systems. So the incentive to deploy a misaligned AI would be a lot lower, reducing the risk to society. That said, there are still reasons to be concerned. For example, it seems like we could still be susceptible to problems of AI deception. And as we've argued, AI alignment is only part of the overall issue. Solving the alignment problem isn't the same thing as completely eliminating existential risk from AI, since aligned AI could also be used to bad ends, such as by authoritarian governments. Next argument. The problem could be extremely difficult to solve. As with many research projects in their early stages, we don't know how hard the alignment problem, or other AI problems that pose risks, are to solve. Someone could believe there are major risks from machine intelligence, but be pessimistic about what additional research or policy work will accomplish, and so decide not to focus on it. This is definitely a reason to potentially work on another issue. The solvability of an issue is a key part of how we try to compare global problems. For example, we're also very concerned about risks from pandemics, and it may be much easier to solve that issue. That said, we think that given the stakes, it could make sense for many people to work on reducing AI risk, even if you think the chance of success is low. You'd have to think that it was extremely difficult to reduce risks from AI in order to conclude that it's better just to let the risks materialize and the chance of catastrophe play out. At least in our own case at 80,000 hours, we want to keep trying to help with AI safety. For example, by writing profiles like this one, even if the chance of success seems low, though in fact we're overall pretty optimistic. Next argument. We could be wrong that strategic AI systems are likely to seek power. There are some reasons to think that the core argument that any advanced, strategically aware planning system will by default seek power isn't totally right. That's a link to the previous section on instrumental convergence. 1. There are simple examples we can create where it seems like the reasoning we gave earlier doesn't quite hold up. We argued that we can expect AI systems to do things that seem generally useful to their overall goal. But consider, for example, an autonomous toy car that can move around only if its engine is on. For most possible goals, it seems like it would be useful for the car to be able to move around. 
so we should expect the car to turn its engine on. But it also seems likely to be pretty easy to train the car to keep its engine off. We can just give it some negative feedback to turning the engine on. Even if we also had given the car some other goals. Simple examples like this shed some doubt on the idea that, just because a particular action is instrumentally useful, we won't be able to find ways to prevent it. For more on this example, see page 25 of Garfinkel's review of Carl Smith's report. 2. Not all misaligned power-seeking behaviour seems like it will actually disempower all of humanity. For example, perhaps an AI system will reason that it would be easier to take power away only from people who might oppose whatever goal it has. That said, the more advanced an AI's power-seeking capabilities, for example those relevant to the seven possible power-seeking dynamics discussed here, that's a link to an article on the 80,000hours.org website, the more likely it is that an AI system would be successful at an attempt to disempower all of humanity. Disempowering all of humanity appears to be a particularly robust way to ensure that AI systems will always be able to achieve their goals. So if more capable systems are sufficiently likely to be successful at disempowering all of humanity, a good planning system may decide that this is worth including in its plans. 3. We might expect that, by default, when training some ML system, we will select against any observable power-seeking behaviour, reducing the chances of this behaviour when the AI is deployed. Unfortunately, it's not clear how likely this is to work, especially given that, for advanced enough systems, it seems plausible we'd see deceptive behaviour, meaning that we might not be able to observe any worrying behaviour before it's too late. 4. Humans seem like strategically aware agents capable of planning, but we aren't always power-seeking. We obviously care about having basics like food and shelter, and many people go to great lengths for more money, status, education, or even formal power. But some humans choose not to pursue these goals, and pursuing them doesn't seem to correlate with intelligence. However, this doesn't mean that the argument that there will be an incentive to seek power is wrong. Most people do face and act on incentives to gain forms of influence via wealth, status, promotions, and so on. And we can explain the observation that humans don't usually seek huge amounts of power by observing that we aren't usually in circumstances that make the effort worth it. For example, most people don't try to start billion-dollar companies. You probably won't succeed, and it'll cost you a lot of time and effort. But you'd still walk across the street to pick up a billion-dollar check. That said, the absence of power-seeking in many humans does point to the idea that, in principle, alignment research into preventing power-seeking in AIs could succeed. This is good news. But for the moment, we don't actually know how to prevent this power-seeking behaviour. These sorts of objections are part of the reason why, as we saw earlier, Carl Smith thinks there's only a 40% chance that, even if building advanced planning AI systems is both feasible and desirable, it will be much harder to develop aligned systems that don't seek power than to develop misaligned systems that do seek power, and that are, at least on the surface, attractive to deploy. And in general, these kinds of points are part of why we're far from sure that each of the steps of the argument go through.
But again, even given these objections, we still think the chances of the conclusion overall being right, or at least pointing to something very significant, are high enough to merit significant concern. Chapter Heading Arguments Against Working on AI Risk to which we think there are strong responses. We've just discussed the major objections to working on AI risk that we think are most persuasive. In this section, we'll look at objections that we think are less persuasive and give some reasons why. Once again, there's a series of objections here and they all expand to reveal more detail. So I'll read out the objections first, then I'll go back and read out the detail. Is it even possible to produce artificial general intelligence? Why can't we just unplug a dangerous AI? Couldn't we just sandbox any potentially dangerous AI system until we know it's safe? Surely a truly intelligent AI system would know not to disempower everyone. Can't you just not give an AI system bad goals? Isn't the real danger from actual current AI, not some sort of futuristic superintelligence? But can't AI also do a lot of good? You'd have to be really stupid to build or use a system that could genuinely kill everyone, right? Why shouldn't I dismiss this as motivated reasoning by a group of people who just like playing with computers and want to think that's important? This all reads and feels like science fiction. Can it make sense to dedicate my career to solving an issue based on a speculative story about a technology that may or may not ever exist? Is this a form of Pascal's mugging? Taking a big bet on tiny probabilities? And the detail? Is it even possible to produce artificial general intelligence? People have been saying since the 1950s that artificial intelligence smarter than humans is just around the corner but it hasn't happened yet. One reason for this could be that it'll never happen. Some have argued that producing artificial general intelligence is fundamentally impossible. Others think it's possible, but unlikely to actually happen, especially not with current deep learning methods. Overall, we think the existence of human intelligence shows it's possible in principle to create artificial intelligence and the speed of current advances isn't something we think would have been predicted by those who thought that we'll never develop powerful general AI. But most importantly, the idea that you need fully general intelligent AI systems for there to be a substantial existential risk is a common misconception. The argument we gave earlier relied on AI systems being as good or better than humans in a subset of areas, planning, strategic awareness, and areas related to seeking and keeping power. So as long as you think all these things are possible, the risk remains. And even if no single AI has all these properties, there are still ways in which we might end up with systems of narrow AI systems that together can disempower humanity. For example, we might have a planning AI that develops plans for a company a separate AI system that measures things about the company, another AI system that attempts to evaluate plans from the first AI by predicting how much profit each will make, and further AI systems that carry out those plans, for example by automating the building and operation of factories. Considered together, 
this system as a whole has the capability to form and carry out plans to achieve some goal, and potentially also has advanced capabilities in areas that help it seek power. So the risk remains, even from systems of many interacting AIs. The next objection. Why can't we just unplug a dangerous AI? It might just be really, really hard. Stopping people and computers from running software is already incredibly difficult. Think about how hard it would be to shut down Google's web services. Google's data centers have millions of servers across 34 different locations, many of which are running the same sets of code. And these data centers are absolutely crucial to Google's bottom line. So even if Google could decide to shut down their entire business, they probably wouldn't. Or think about how hard it is to get rid of computer viruses that autonomously spread between computers across the world. Ultimately, we think any dangerous power-seeking AI system will be looking for ways to not be turned off, which makes it more likely we'll be in one of these situations, rather than in a case where we can just unplug a single machine. That said, we absolutely should try to shape the future of AI such that we can unplug powerful AI systems. There may be ways we can develop systems that let us turn them off. But for the moment, we're not sure how to do that. Ensuring that we can turn off potentially dangerous AI systems could be a safety measure developed by technical AI safety research, or it could be the result of careful AI governance, such as planning coordinated efforts to stop autonomous software once it's running. The next objection. Couldn't we just sandbox any potentially dangerous AI system until we know it's safe? We could, and should, definitely try. If we could successfully sandbox an advanced AI, that is, contain it to a training environment with no access to the real world, until we were very confident it wouldn't do harm, that would help our efforts to mitigate AI risks tremendously. But there are a few things that might make this difficult. For a start, we might only need one failure, like one person to remove the sandbox or one security vulnerability in the sandbox we hadn't noticed, for the AI system to begin affecting the real world. Moreover, this solution doesn't scale with the capabilities of the AI system. This is because more capable systems are more likely to be able to find vulnerabilities or other ways of leaving the sandbox, for example, by threatening or coercing humans. And systems that are good at planning might attempt to deceive us into deploying them. So the more dangerous the AI system, the less likely sandboxing is to be possible. That's the opposite of what we'd want from a good solution to the risk. Next objection. Surely a truly intelligent AI system would know not to disempower everyone. For some definitions of truly intelligent, in quotes, for example, if true intelligence includes a deep understanding of morality and a desire to be moral, this would probably be the case. But if that's your definition of truly intelligent, then it's not truly intelligent systems that pose a risk. As we argued earlier, it's advanced systems that can plan and have strategic awareness that pose risks to humanity. 
with sufficiently advanced strategic awareness, an AI system's excellent understanding of the world may well encompass an excellent understanding of people's moral beliefs. But that's not a strong reason to think that such a system would act morally. For example, when we learn about other cultures or moral systems, that doesn't necessarily create a desire to follow their morality. A scholar of the antebellum South might have a very good understanding of how 19th century slave owners justified themselves as moral, but would be very unlikely to defend slavery. AI systems with excellent understandings of human morality could be even more dangerous than AIs without such understanding. The AI system could act morally at first as a way to deceive us into thinking that it is safe. Next objection. Can't you just not give an AI system bad goals? Some of the more cartoon-style illustrations of risks from AI involve giving the AI goals that are clearly not what we really want. For example, produce as many paperclips as possible is no one's real overriding goal. So it might seem like we can just easily avoid the problems discussed above by making sure to only give AI systems goals that we actually want achieved. And yes, if we were able to give systems objectives that really precisely represented what we want to happen, and we knew that it was only those objectives that the system would pursue, then the risks posed by AI would seem far, far lower. But as we've discussed, for many goals an advanced planning system could have, there are other additional instrumental goals the system is likely to develop. In particular, maintaining its own existence and gaining more influence and power so that the system is more able to affect the environment to achieve its goal. This is especially true for systems with ambitious goals, which will be associated with the greatest promises of AI systems and therefore those goals which we might have very strong incentives to give to advanced planning systems. We also gave a few reasons above for why controlling these goals could be hard. In short, there might be problems with measurable proxies used to specify goals, and difficulties arise from modern ML systems' implicit goals developing through training rather than explicit programming. We also looked at why we'd need any solution to retain the usefulness of the AI system being developed, and why many seemingly simple ways of just not giving a system bad goals won't continue to work as we improve the planning abilities and strategic awareness of AI systems. There's also a concern that if one group does actually succeed in giving an AI only correct goals, other groups may not, meaning we still end up with highly capable power-seeking artificial intelligence. And once we have that, the chances of an existential catastrophe of some kind will be elevated. So overall, while we'd certainly like to not give AI systems bad goals, the problem of finding a way to do this seems pretty similar to the problem of building safe AI, and at the moment that problem doesn't have a solution. Next objection. Isn't the real danger from actual current AI not some sort of futuristic superintelligence? There are definitely dangers from current artificial intelligence. For example, data used to train neural networks often contains hidden biases. This means that AI systems can learn these biases, and this can lead to racist and sexist behaviour. There are other dangers too. Our earlier discussion on nuclear war 
explains a threat which doesn't require AI systems to have particularly advanced capabilities. But we don't think the fact that there are also risks from current systems is a reason not to prioritise reducing existential threats from AI, if they are sufficiently severe. As we've discussed, future systems, not necessarily superintelligence or totally general intelligence, but systems advanced in their planning and power-seeking capabilities, seem like they could pose threats to the existence of the entirety of humanity. And it also seems somewhat likely that we'll produce such systems this century. What's more, lots of technical AI safety research is also relevant to solving problems with existing AI systems. For example, some research focuses on ensuring that ML models do what we want them to, and will still do this as their size and capabilities increase, other research tries to work out how and why existing models are making the decisions and taking the actions that they do. As a result, at least in the case of technical research, the choice between working on current threats and future risks may look more like a choice between only ensuring that current models are safe, or instead finding ways to ensure that current models are safe that will also continue to work as AI systems become more complex and more intelligent. Ultimately, we have limited time in our careers, so choosing which problem to work on could be a huge way of increasing your impact. When there are such substantial threats, it seems reasonable for many people to focus on addressing these worst-case possibilities. Next objection. But can't AI also do a lot of good? Yes, it can. AI systems are already improving healthcare, putting driverless cars on the roads, and automating household chores. And if we're able to automate advancements in science and technology, we could see truly incredible economic and scientific progress. AI could likely help solve many of the world's most pressing problems. But just because something can do a lot of good, doesn't mean it can't also do a lot of harm. AI is an example of a dual-use technology a technology that can be used for both dangerous and beneficial purposes. For example, researchers were able to get an AI model that was trained to develop medical drugs to instead generate designs for bioweapons. We are excited and hopeful about seeing large benefits from AI, but we also want to work hard to minimise the enormous risks advanced AI systems pose. Next objection. You'd have to be really stupid to build or use a system that could genuinely kill everyone, right? You'd think. But as we've argued, there are incentives to build systems that can plan and strategically execute their plans, as well as incentives to use these systems, even if we're not sure they are aligned. People might be wrong about how dangerous a system is, or accept small risks for everyone in return for big upsides. And there are examples of people building and developing really dangerous systems in other areas. Nuclear weapons are an obvious example. They were built despite the risk that they could cause human extinction. For example, Enrico Fermi, one of the leading experimental physicists on the Manhattan Project, thought it was possible that the Trinity test in July 1945 could ignite the atmosphere and destroy all life on Earth. But they went ahead with the test anyway, and while, in general, there aren't strong incentives to actually use nuclear weapons, there are plenty of times we've come extremely close to nuclear war. 
We've also written about potential global catastrophic biological risks. Gain-of-function research is research that deliberately engineers more dangerous pathogens that could potentially cause pandemics, possibly ones far worse than COVID-19. Scientists do this research in spite of the risk we'd see if such pathogens ever escape the lab. AI has the potential to be radically transformative, and as a result, make a huge amount of money for the companies and states that develop it. This incentive seems substantially bigger than the monetary incentives behind nuclear weapons or gain-of-function research. That is to say, for a short while, an AI that will eventually cause an existential catastrophe could also make its developers unimaginably wealthy. A short footnote here. In cases where people are willing to use systems that they think have, for example, a 10% chance of immediately killing them, security concerns, like trying to preempt deployment of transformative AI by others, or perhaps moral-slash-idealistic concerns, could play larger roles than desire for wealth. On the other hand, monetary incentives do seem to be a substantial current driver for research into AI capabilities. We might also expect monetary incentives to encourage motivated reasoning about the size of the risk from AI systems. That's the end of the footnote. We go back to this objection about having to be really stupid to build or use such a system. So if anything, we might expect people to be less careful with AI than with other dangerous technologies. Next objection. Why shouldn't I dismiss this as motivated reasoning by a group of people who just like playing with computers and want to think that's important? It's undoubtedly true that some people are drawn to thinking about AI safety because they like computers and science fiction. As with any other issue, there are people working on it not because they think it's important, but because they think it's cool. But for many people, working on AI safety comes with huge reluctance. For me, and many of us at 80,000 Hours, spending our limited time and resources working on any cause that affects the long-run future, and therefore not spending that time on the terrible problems in the world today, is an incredibly emotionally difficult thing to do. But we've gradually investigated these arguments in the course of trying to figure out how we can do the most good. And over time, both gained more expertise about AI and became more concerned about the risk. We think scepticism is healthy and are far from certain that these arguments completely work. So while this suspicion is definitely a reason to dig a little deeper, we hope that ultimately this worry won't be treated as a reason to deprioritize what may well be the most important problem of our time. Next objection. This all reads and feels like science fiction. That something sounds like science fiction isn't a reason in itself to dismiss it outright. There are loads of examples of things first mentioned in sci-fi that then went on to actually happen. This list of inventions in science fiction contains plenty of examples. That's a link. There are even a few such cases involving technology that are real existential threats today. Dot point. In his 1914 novel, The World Set Free, H.G. Wells predicted atomic energy fueling powerful explosives, 20 years before he realised there could in theory be nuclear fission chain reactions, and 30 years before nuclear weapons were actually produced. In the 1920s and 1930s, Nobel Prize-winning physicists Millikan, Rutherford 
and Einstein all predicted that we would never be able to use nuclear power. Nuclear weapons were literal science fiction before they were reality. Dot point. In the 1964 film Dr. Strangelove, the US builds a doomsday machine that would automatically trigger an extinction-level nuclear event in response to a nuclear strike, but keeps it secret. Dr. Strangelove points out that keeping it secret rather reduces its deterrence effect. But we now know that in the 1980s, the USSR built an extremely similar system and kept it secret. That's the end of the dot points. Moreover, there are top academics and researchers working on preventing these risks from AI at MIT, Cambridge, Oxford, UC Berkeley, and elsewhere. Two of the world's top AI labs, DeepMind and OpenAI, have teams explicitly dedicated to working on technical AI safety. Researchers from these places helped us with this article. It's totally possible all these people are wrong to be worried. But the fact that so many people take this threat seriously undermines the idea that this is merely science fiction. It's reasonable when you hear something that sounds like science fiction to want to investigate it thoroughly before acting on it. But having investigated it, if the arguments seem solid, then simply sounding like science fiction is not a reason to dismiss them. Next objection. Can it make sense to dedicate my career to solving an issue based on a speculative story about a technology that may or may not ever exist? We never know for sure what's going to happen in the future. So, unfortunately for us, if we're trying to have a positive impact on the world, that means we're always having to deal with at least some degree of uncertainty. We also think there's an important distinction between guaranteeing that you've achieved some amount of good and doing the very best you can to achieve the former, you can't take any risks at all, and that could mean missing out on the best opportunities to do good. When you're dealing with uncertainty, it makes sense to roughly think about the expected value of your actions, the sum of all the good and bad potential consequences of your actions, weighted by their probability. Given the stakes are so high, and the risks from AI aren't that low, this makes the expected value of helping with this problem high. We're sympathetic to the concern that if you work on AI safety, you might end up doing not much at all when you might have done a tremendous amount of good working on something else, simply because the problem and our current ideas about what to do about it are so uncertain. But we think the world will be better off if we decide that some of us should work on solving this problem, so that together we have the best chance of successfully navigating the transition to a world with advanced AI, rather than risking an existential crisis and it seems like an immensely valuable thing to try. Next objection. Is this a form of Pascal's mugging? Taking a big bet on tiny probabilities? Pascal's mugging is a thought experiment, a riff on the famous Pascal's wager, where someone making decisions using expected value calculations can be exploited by claims that they can get something extraordinarily good or avoid something extraordinarily bad with an extremely low probability of succeeding. The story goes like this. A random mugger stops you on the street and says, give me your wallet or I'll cast a spell of torture on you and everyone who has ever lived. You can't rule out with 100% probability that he won't. After all, nothing's 100% for sure. 
and torturing everyone who's ever lived is so bad that surely even avoiding a tiny, tiny probability of that is worth the $40 in your wallet? But intuitively, it seems like you shouldn't give your wallet to someone just because they threaten you with something completely implausible. Analogously, you could worry that working on AI safety means giving your valuable time to avoid a tiny, tiny chance of catastrophe. Working on reducing risks from AI isn't free. The opportunity cost is quite substantial, as it means you forego working on other extremely important things, like reducing risks from pandemics or ending factory farming. Here's the thing, though. While there's lots of value at stake, perhaps the lives of everybody alive today, and the entirety of the future of humanity, it's not the case that the probability that you can make a difference by working on reducing risks from AI is small enough for this argument to apply. We wish the chance of an AI catastrophe was that vanishingly small. Instead, we think the probability of such a catastrophe, we think around 10% this century, is much, much larger than things that people try to prevent all the time, such as fatal plane crashes, which happen in 0.00002% of all flights. What really matters, though, is the extent to which your work can reduce the chance of a catastrophe. Let's look at working on reducing risks from AI. For example, if, one, there's a 10% chance of an AI-related existential catastrophe by 2100, two, there's a 30% chance that we can find a way to prevent this by technical research, three, five people working on technical AI safety raises the chances of solving the problem by 1% of that 30%, so 0.3 percentage points then each person involved has a 0.0006 percentage point share in preventing this catastrophe. Other ways of acting altruistically involve similarly sized probabilities. The chances of a volunteer campaigner swinging a US presidential election is somewhere between 0.0001% and 0.0001%. But you can still justify working on a campaign because of the large impact you expect you'd have on the world if your preferred candidate won. You have even lower chances of wild success from things like trying to reform political institutions or working on some very fundamental science research to build knowledge that might one day help cure cancer. Overall, as a society, we may be able to reduce the chance of an AI-related catastrophe all the way down from 10% or higher to close to zero that'd be clearly worth it for a group of people. So it has to be worth it for the individuals too. We wouldn't want to just not do fundamental science because each researcher has a low chance of making the next big discovery. Or not do any peacekeeping because any one person has a low chance of preventing World War III. As a society, we need some people working on these big issues. And maybe you can be one of them. That's the end of the section of objections. Chapter heading. What you can do concretely to help. As we mentioned above, we know of two main ways to help reduce existential risks from AI. One, technical AI safety research. Two, AI strategy slash policy research and implementation. The biggest way you could help would be to pursue a career in either of these areas or in a supporting area. The first step is learning a lot more about the technologies, 
problems and possible solutions. We've collated some lists of our favourite resources here, that's a link, and our top recommendation is to take a look at the Technical Alignment Curriculum from AGI Safety Fundamentals. If you decide to pursue a career in this area, we generally recommend working at an organisation focused on specifically addressing this problem, though there are other ways to help besides working at existing organisations, as we discussed briefly below. Heading, Technical AI Safety. Approaches. There are lots of approaches to technical AI safety, including, here's a list of dot points with detail, I'll read out the dot points and then the detail. Working on actual proposals to make future AI systems safe, interpretability research, research to increase the robustness of neural networks, work to build cooperative AI. So the first one, working on actual proposals to make future AI systems safe, such as iterated distillation and amplification, AI safety via debate, building AI assistants that are uncertain about our goals and learn them by interacting with us, or finding ways to get AI systems trained with stochastic gradient descent to report truthfully what they know. For more, see Hubinger's 11 possible proposals for building safe advanced AI. The next dot point, interpretability research. Trying to help us actually understand what's going on inside a neural network. This work has had some success already. See, for example, Zoom In, an introduction to circuits by Ola et al. For more, see Hubinger's a Transparency and Interpretability Tech Tree for an overview of this research, and Nanda's A Long List of Theories of Impact for Interpretability for an overview of how interpretability research could reduce existential risk from AI. Next dot point. Research to increase the robustness of neural networks. Making sure that the sorts of behaviour neural networks display when exposed to one set of inputs continues when exposed to inputs they haven't previously been exposed to, in order to prevent AI systems changing to unsafe behaviour. Next dot point, work to build cooperative AI. Finding ways to ensure that even if individual AI systems seem safe, they don't produce bad outcomes through interacting with other human or AI systems. For more, see Open Problems in Cooperative AI by Dafo et al or the Cooperative AI Foundation. That's the end of the dot points and the text goes on. See Neil Nanda's overview of the AI alignment landscape for more details. Heading, key organizations. AI labs in industry that have technical safety teams or are focused entirely on safety. Anthropic is an AI safety company working on building interpretable and safe AI systems. They focus on empirical AI safety research. Anthropic co-founders Daniela and Dario Amade gave an interview about the lab on the Future of Life Institute podcast. On our podcast, we spoke to Chris Ola, who leads Anthropic's research into interpretability, and Nova Dasama, who works on information security at Anthropic. DeepMind is probably the largest and most well-known research group developing general artificial machine intelligence and is famous for its work creating AlphaGo, AlphaZero, and AlphaFold. It is not principally focused on safety, but has two teams focused on AI safety. DeepMind is owned by Alphabet, Google's parent company. 
The Center for AI Safety is a nonprofit that does technical research and advocacy of machine learning safety in the wider academic community. OpenAI, founded in 2015, is a lab that is trying to build artificial general intelligence that is safe and benefits all of humanity. OpenAI is well known for its language models like GPT-3 and has a safety team and a governance team. Jan Leiker, head of the alignment team, has some blog posts on how he thinks about AI alignment. Ort is a machine learning lab building Elicit, an AI research assistant. Their aim is to align open-ended reasoning by learning human reasoning steps and to direct AI progress towards helping with evaluating evidence and arguments. Redwood Research is an AI safety research organization whose first big project attempted to make sure language models, like GPT-3, produce output following certain rules with very high probability in order to address failure modes too rare to show up in standard training. That's the end of that list. Now there's a list of conceptual AI safety labs. The Alignment Research Center, ARC, is attempting to produce alignment strategies that could be adopted in industry today, while also being able to scale to future systems. They focus on conceptual work, developing strategies that could work for alignment and which may be promising directions for empirical work, rather than doing empirical AI work themselves. Their first project was releasing a report on eliciting latent knowledge, the problem of getting advanced AI systems to honestly tell you what they believe, or believe, in quotes, about the world. On our podcast, we interviewed ARC founder Paul Cristiano about his research before he founded ARC. The Center on Long-Term Risk works to address worst-case risks from advanced AI. They focus on conflict between AI systems. The Machine Intelligence Research Institute was one of the first groups to become concerned about the risks from machine intelligence in the early 2000s, and its team has published a number of papers on safety issues and how to resolve them. That's the end of the list of conceptual AI safety labs. Now there's a list AI safety in academia. The Algorithmic Alignment Group in the Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory at MIT, led by Dylan hadfield Manel. The Center for Human Compatible AI at UC Berkeley, led by Stuart Russell, which focuses on academic research to ensure AI is safe and beneficial to humans. Our podcast with Stuart Russell examines his approach to provably beneficial AI. Jacob Steinhardt's research group in the Department of Statistics at UC Berkeley. Sam Bowman's research group at the NYU Machine Learning for Language. David Kroeger's research group at the Computational and Biological Learning Laboratory at the University of Cambridge. The Foundations of Cooperative AI Lab at Carnegie Mellon University. The Future of Humanity Institute at the University of Oxford has an AI safety research group. That's the end of that list. If you're interested in learning more about technical AI safety as an area, for example, the different techniques, schools of thought, and threat models, our top recommendation is to take a look at the technical alignment curriculum from AGI Safety Fundamentals. We discuss this path in more detail here, that's a link, though it's outdated compared to this problem profile. Here's a link to Career Review of Technical AI Safety Research. Alternatively, if you're looking for something more concrete and step-by-step, -step, with very little in the way of introduction, 
check out this detailed guide to pursuing a career in AI alignment. That's a link. It's important to note that you don't have to be an academic or an expert in AI or AI safety to contribute to AI safety research. For example, software engineers are needed at many places conducting technical safety research, and we also highlight more roles below. Heading. AI governance and strategy. Approaches. Quite apart from the technical problems, we face a host of governance issues, which include dot point, coordination problems that are increasing the risks from AI. For example, there could be incentives to use AI for personal gain in ways that can cause harm, or race dynamics that reduce incentives for careful and safe AI development. Dot point, risks from accidents or misuse of AI that would be dangerous even if we are able to prevent power-seeking behaviour, as discussed above. Dot point, a lack of clarity on how and when exactly risks from AI, particularly power-seeking AI, might play out. Dot point, a lack of clarity on which intermediate goals we could pursue that, if achieved, would reduce existential risk from AI. To tackle these, we need a combination of research and policy. We are in the early stages of figuring out the shape of this problem and the most effective ways to tackle it. So it's crucial that we do more research. This includes forecasting research into what we should expect to happen and strategy and policy research into the best ways of acting to reduce the risks. But also, as AI begins to impact our society more and more, it'll be crucial that governments and corporations have the best policies in place to shape its development. For example, governments might be able to enforce agreements not to cut corners on safety, further the work of researchers who are less likely to cause harm, or cause the benefits of AI to be distributed more evenly. So there eventually might be a key role to be played in advocacy and lobbying for appropriate AI policy. Though we're not yet at the point of knowing what policies would be useful to implement, Heading, Key Organisations, AI Strategy and Policy Organisations. AI Impacts attempts to find answers to all sorts of relevant questions about the future of AI, like, how likely is a sudden jump in AI progress at around human-level performance? The AI Security Initiative at UC Berkeley's Centre for Long-Term Cybersecurity. The Centre for the Governance of AI, GovAI aims to build a global research community dedicated to helping humanity navigate the transition to a world with advanced AI. On our podcast, we've spoken to Ben Garfinkel, acting director of GovAI, about some weaknesses of classic AI risk arguments, as well as Alan Defoe, president of GovAI and leader of DeepMind's long-term strategy and governance team, about the destabilizing effects of AI. The Centre for Long-Term Resilience is a UK think tank focused on existential threats, including those from AI. The Centre for Security and Emerging Technology at Georgetown researches the foundations of AI, talent, data, and computational power. It focuses on how AI can be used in national security. Listen to our podcast with Helen Toner, their Director of Strategy, for more. The Centre for the Study of Existential Risk at the University of Cambridge has a group considering the governance of AI. DeepMind and OpenAI both have policy teams. 
listen to our podcast with members of the OpenAI policy team and our podcast with the head of DeepMind's governance team, Alan Defoe. The Future of Life Institute advocates for awareness of AI risk within the academic community and gives out grants for work focused on AI safety. The Future of Humanity Institute at the University of Oxford has a macro-strategy research group that considers the future of AI and its contribution to existential risk. The Leverhulme Centre for the Future of Intelligence is an interdisciplinary research centre at the University of Cambridge, focusing on the impacts of AI on humanity. Open Philanthropy provides grants to organisations working on altruistic issues. As a result, they have research teams looking at the issues they focus on, including a team looking at potential risks from advanced AI. On our podcast, we spoke to Holden Konofsky, co-CEO of Open Philanthropy, about his views on risks from AI. Note, Open Philanthropy is 80,000 Hours' biggest funder. Rethink Priorities has a team focused on AI governance and strategy. That's the end of that list. If you're interested in learning more about AI governance, our top recommendation is to take a look at the governance curriculum from AGI Safety Fundamentals. We discuss this path in more detail here. Just like before, here's a link to Career Review of AI Strategy and Policy Careers. Also note, it could be particularly important for people with the right personal fit to work on AI strategy and governance in China. Heading. Complementary yet crucial roles. Even in a research organisation, Around half of the staff will be doing other tasks essential for the organisation to perform at its best and have an impact. Having high-performing people in these roles is crucial. We think the importance of these roles is often underrated because the work is less visible. So we've written several career reviews on these areas to help more people enter these careers and succeed, including operations management, to help impactful organisations grow and function as effectively as possible. Research management at an AI safety research organisation. Being an executive assistant to someone who's doing really important work on safety and governance. Other non-technical roles in leading AI labs. Heading. Other ways to help. AI safety is a big problem and it needs help from people doing a lot of different kinds of work. One major way to help is to work in a role that directs funding or people towards AI risk, rather than working on the problem directly. We've reviewed a few career paths along these lines, including founding new projects, in this case, starting new initiatives aimed at reducing risks from advanced AI. Being a grant maker, to fund promising projects focused on reducing catastrophic AI risk. Working in communication roles. Helping to build communities of people working on this problem. The most relevant community is the AI safety community itself, but it could also be impactful to help build the community of people working on the world's most pressing problems, including risks from AI. There are ways all of these could go wrong, so the first step is to become well-informed about the issue. There are also other technical roles besides safety research that could help contribute, like working in information security to protect AI or the results of key experiments from misuse, theft or tampering. 
becoming an expert in AI hardware as a way of steering AI progress in safer directions. You can read about all these careers, why we think they're helpful, how to enter them, and how you can predict whether they're a good fit for you on our career reviews page. That's a link. Is a text box. Want one-on-one -on -one advice on pursuing this path? We think that the risks posed by the development of AI may be the most pressing problem the world currently faces. If you think you might be a good fit for any of the above career paths that contribute to solving this problem, we'd be especially excited to advise you on next steps, one-on-one. -on -one. We can help you consider your options, make connections with others working on reducing risks from AI, and possibly even help you find jobs or funding opportunities, all for free. There's a link here, apply to speak with our team. Heading, find vacancies on our job board. Our job board features opportunities in AI technical safety and governance. Chapter heading, top resources to learn more. We've hit you with a lot of further reading throughout this article. Here are a few of our favorites. And this is a long list of links at the bottom of the article. I won't read them out, but you can check them out on the 80,000 Hours website. A note from the author. At its core, this problem profile tries to predict the future of technology. This is a notoriously difficult thing to do. In addition, there has been much less rigorous research into the risks from AI than into the other risks 80,000 Hours writes about like pandemics or climate change. A footnote here, it's hard to know how to deal with this lack of research. We may be less concerned because this is evidence that researchers have chosen not to focus on this risk, and therefore assuming they're more likely to focus on big risks, that the risk is smaller. Or we may be more concerned because the risk seems more neglected overall. Ben Garfinkel, a researcher at the Center for the Governance of AI, has pointed out that concern among the existential risk community about different risks is somewhat correlated with how hard to analyse these risks are. He continues that, quote, It doesn't at all follow that the community is irrational to worry far more about misaligned AI than other potential risks. It's completely coherent to have something like this attitude. If I could think more clearly about the risk from misaligned AI, then I would probably come to realize it's not that big a deal. But in practice, I can't yet think very clearly about it. That means that unlike in the case of climate change, I also can't rule out the small possibility. The clarity would make me much more worried about it than I currently am. So on balance, I should feel more worried about misaligned AI than I do about other risks. I should focus my efforts on it, even if, to uncharitable observers, my efforts will probably look a bit misguided after the fact. That's the end of Garfinkel's quote. You can read more in the footnote at the link. Back to the main text in this note from the author. The text just mentioned there was less rigorous research into the risks from AI than into the other risks 80,000 Hours writes about. That said, there is a growing field of research into the topic, which I've tried to reflect. For this article, I've leaned especially on this draft report by Joseph Carlsmith at Open Philanthropy, as it's the most rigorous overview of the risk that I could find. And that's a link you can follow in the post. I've also had the article reviewed by over 30 people with different expertise and opinions on the topic. 
almost all are concerned about advanced AI's potential impact. If you have any feedback on this article, whether there's something technical we've got wrong, some wording we could improve, or just that you did or didn't like reading it, we'd really appreciate it if you could tell us what you think using this form. That's a link. That was the article, Preventing an AI-Related Catastrophe, written by Benjamin Hilton for 80,000 Hours and narrated by Perrin Walker. We'll be back to our normal episodes next week, but let us know if you like the idea of sharing more articles like this, since it's quite easy for us to do. And as always, a big thanks to our producer Jason for editing these episodes, and thank you very much for listening.